Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Well, I'm going to read to you from Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, Message Bible. Don't try and turn to it. You'll never find it in time. It's that part of the Bible where we don't visit much. One of those kind of passages of the Bible. Habakkuk 1, verse 1 to 4, reading from the Message Bible. We're going to jump into this moment, this season of Habakkuk's life that I think is a season that some of you, many of you are in today or someone that you know and wish was here is in today. And Habakkuk says, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, please, before you come to rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face every day? Anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place. Law and order fall to pieces. Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. Here's what's going on for Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a prophet and he feels that God has not got his back. He's prophesying judgment. He's prophesying consequences for the unrighteousness behavior that's going on in the country. And yet they're still prospering despite his years of prophesying that they are not going to prosper and that God is against them. So he kind of feels that years into prophesying, doom and gloom, as it were, on society, judgment on society, God is not backing him up because the wicked are prospering and justice is flipped on its head and anarchy is breaking out everywhere. So he's kind of upset, he's angry, he's frustrated, he's confused because he's prophesying what God's telling him, but everybody's laughing at him. A similar thing happened, by the way, to Isaiah and Jeremiah, who could have turned to their lives too, for seasons in their life when they felt that God did not have their back. God did not come through for them, that here they are living their life for God, doing the best that they can, but there seems to be an absence of God's backing for them in what God had called and commissioned them to do. And I want to speak to any of you in here today, or anyone not here today that's listening later on the audio, or someone in your mind that's not here today that as I continue to speak will come to your mind and be on your heart as I speak, that need to know about this message. I want to speak to anyone that's ever felt like Habakkuk feels. Anyone that has ever felt or feels now frustrated, exhausted, angry, upset, discouraged, confused, because like Habakkuk, you feel that God has not got your back. You feel that you're in a season of life where you desperately need divine intervention and it's not coming or it seems delayed. The title of this message and titles can be helpful if they're thoughtful titles and I try to be thoughtful about mine so that they live on in your mind years afterwards when 
Pastor Mike referred to a message at Hillsong, you know, nearly 20 years ago. Um, the moment he told me the content of the message, uh, I knew the title. And most people speak to me about messages 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and I remember the title. So I'm glad I took time to be thoughtful about the title. The title of this concept, this message, is called The Agony of Divine Delay. I put a graphic up there because I tried to match an image to the thought, which is not always easy. There were others I rejected in favor of this one. You people that learn visually in here have a visual to get this in your mind as well as the text on the screen. The agony of divine delay is what I'm calling what Habakkuk felt. It is this zone of life where we feel God has done this to us where we feel God has red-lighted us, where God has put us on hold, where God has put us on pause, and we feel that there is no, nothing coming from heaven. There's no word. There's no voice. There's no encouragement. There feels no hope. It feels like a vacuum of God's presence, that there's nothing good happening, even though others around us are experiencing what we wish would happen for us. We feel that we are in divine delay. The gap between tragedy, trouble, difficulty, circumstances, flooding, a tragedy of any kind, sickness, bankruptcy, divorce, bereavement, striking your life, the gap between that and the time it takes for God to show up, as we might say, to intervene, to give you a miracle, to give you a happy ever after, to give you a good outcome, to give you a good closure, a good result. It's the gap between those two points, which, by the way, can be years, can be decades. I'm putting you on pause in an unpleasant season of life. Because I want you to know that God does more in the middle. In your life, God does more in the middle than He does at the beginning or the end. But that's the bit where we want to fast track. This is the bit we want to press fast forward on. And we just want to get to the happy ending. And of course, classically, when pastors would speak to us about this kind of situation in life, we would speak to you from God's perspective. Normally, if I was going to address this issue and address people like Habakkuk, if Habakkuk was in church today, and by the way, Habakkuk was in church in the first service, I've already heard from people that were here that text or said something to Hannah that works on my table and said things about how this message helped and affected them. And I know Habakkuk, or if he's not a good example, take Joseph in prison for nearly 20 years with no divine intervention, with no deliverance. He's so fed up of being in jail, he tries to get the baker that was restored to royal position. He tries to get him to remember him to Pharaoh in the hope I can fast-track me getting out of here, and even the baker forgot to mention his name. Because he was so fed up of being in jail for a crime he didn't commit, 
and he's in Egypt because he believed in a dream that God gave him. So this whole thing isn't right. This whole thing is not justice. It's justice turned on its head. It's anarchy. It's out of control. And for years, he's languishing in prison with no divine intervention, with no miracle. And I know we fast track to the end and we say, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, but it all ended well. He became the prime minister of Egypt. In which case, I need to say to you that do that with your Bible reading. You do know, don't you, people in the Bible did not know they were in the Bible. Think about it. I know it's obvious, but it clearly is not because of the way we read our Bibles. Because you know that Joseph finishes up being in charge of the country, you bypass the suffering bit. And you think, it doesn't matter. We can't stay there. We shouldn't stay there. Nothing to see here. Move along, people. We jump over that 20 years or 40 years in the wilderness for Moses. We, we jump over these seasons of life or years for Job. We jump over these seasons of life to get to the happy ending because we are too charismatically wired, perhaps. We have no stomach for these twilight zones of life. These seasons that we all go through but don't know what to call it, and I've just come up with a name for it called divine delay. A season in your life when it feels that I'm stuck. There's no progression. There's no movement. I can't get forward. All I'm doing day in, day out is surviving, trying to keep my head above water, metaphorically, and for some people literally in Houston today, and for you here a year ago. It's, that's who I've come for today. That's who I'm speaking to today. And if this is too real for you, then you need to get a different version of Christianity than the one we sold you. And if your God is too fragile to be criticized, you need to upgrade your idea of God. If your God is beyond criticism and beyond ranting and shouting at and being angry with, if your God can't stand that, your God is too fragile and he's not the one you need for life. <laughs> because many of the greats that we celebrate and we idolize had these moments that Habakkuk epitomizes where they felt that God was deaf and dumb and blind and indifferent and uncaring towards their struggle, towards their pain. And some of you feel like that today and it's a miracle that you're even in church. Because when you're going through a time when, when you're not getting a miracle and a breakthrough, it's hard to be in this room when others are talking about their miracles. And you ain't getting one. When they're conceiving and having babies and you can't have babies and you're on your fifth attempt with a sister pregnancy clinic and you can't conceive. When people are getting financial breakthroughs and you're in huge debt and your debt's getting worse and you're losing your home and they're repossessing your car and you've gone bankrupt and while you're sitting here listening to someone else speaking about the best business deal of their life and how many millions it's worth and how God's blessed their business and you're like, hang on a minute, is God a favorite of people? Did I do something wrong? Am I a bad person? Somebody's getting a miracle in their physical body 
and you are getting worse and worse and the outcome is not good for you as far as the medical world is concerned. And you're sitting in church watching and listening to others, having a, 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 a breakthrough moment and it, it, you try to be happy for them. In your heart of hearts you are because in your heart of hearts you're a grateful person. But what, what the middle makes you feel is the middle, the middle of your journey, the middle of your breakthrough, the middle of whatever the outcome is, it makes you have to deal with stuff inside of you that if you don't understand it, you will check out of church and come back later when you feel more together. I pastor for over 30 years. If I had a dollar for every person that skipped church because of this season of life, I wouldn't be a millionaire, but I'd be able to buy a decent-sized car because it's thousands of people. Thousands of people who are going through this season of life, don't know what to call it. I'm trying to give you language for it today. Stay away. They don't stay away from God, though they're upset with God, like Habakkuk and Joseph and Moses and Job and perhaps others went through that we could talk about today. So you're in good company today, by the way. And stay away. And people stay away from church because part of the agony, part of the agony of being in this season of life is that we love God and we are so grateful. And so for me to feel upset or that I struggle to be happy for you getting your miracle when I am really sad I don't get mine, I don't want to deal with that emotion in me, that upset stroke happiness because I am so grateful to God, but there are times in this season of life where you feel resentful towards God. It's an agony because of that. It's an agony because it's hard to love God when you don't think God loves you. It's hard to worship someone that you're not sure even likes you. Because if God liked you, you would think He'd treat you more decently than it feels like He's treating you at the moment. When it's bad news upon bad news upon bad news, and it's years, months of your life, it is like living in this zone where God has put His hand towards you. And I don't want to get up here today and speak about this as I have done for years. From God's point of view, God's point of view to Habakkuk or to or to Joseph, or to Daniel, or to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or to Moses, or to Job, that are in church today, God's point of view, which we feel we have to speak from all the time as preachers, is that I'm going to speak to you about hope, I'm going to speak to you about all things work together for good, I'm going to speak to you about your miracles coming, your breakthroughs coming, God's going to intervene. That's what we kind of feel our job is, but I'm not sure that that is our job. Because here's what I figured out. Um, what's made me a better person, a better leader, a better communicator this last 15 plus years and, and a communication masterclass is one of the things I do now all around the world. What's made me better at all of those things has been spending more time sat where you're sitting than I do standing here. Because the Holy Grail of communication is connection. It's when someone's speaking 
and you are leaning in on the inside and there is, a, there is an inaudible dialogue going on in the room between the voice that's speaking to you and what you are saying to you about what they're saying to you. When that begins to happen in a room, it's dynamic, it's tangible. It doesn't necessarily require amens and hallelujahs and applause. It doesn't require that. It may involve that. It may not. This is the kind of message that if it was a movie, you'd be leaving here quiet and thoughtful. You've been to a movie where everybody leaves and they're kind of quiet because the movie whole feel of it, the subject matter, made you thoughtful. And the movie maybe didn't have a happy ending because often life does not. And we're addicted to happy endings in our charismatic kind of Christianity. We like something to clap and shout about and sometimes... That is not how life is. And by the way, for most people on the planet, that is not how life is. And so when we come into the church and we artificially create endings that don't exist and we create our own bubble, that's why you can't come here with a huge, with a huge knife or a, or a pin and prick the church's bubble by my reality. So I don't want to get up here and speak to you from God's shoes because guess what? God doesn't wear shoes. If shoes are a metaphor for perspective, we say, don't we, if I was in your shoes, well, you know, seeing it from her shoes, we use shoes as a metaphor for perspective. God doesn't have perspective. God is not limited by perspective. God is omniscient. Omniscience means God knows everything at once. God knows past, present, and future instantaneously, effortlessly, all at once. You can't call that perspective. You can call it perspectives, all of them at once, but you can't say that God has a perspective. You have a perspective. I have a perspective because all you see is what you know. You don't know what you don't know. But there's nothing God doesn't know. And you need to know that God has never had to figure anything out. Nothing ever occurred to God. God has never had to be brought up to speed. God has never had a sleepless night. God has never lived in this zone. But He has allowed you to. And so for a God that has never had a sleepless night and has never had to figure anything out and has never realized anything and never anything occurred to him, you can't, you can't call that kind of being a perspective. So I don't think God needs me to be up here giving you his perspective, which may actually be my attempt to tidy everything up and to fix you. This is what Job's friends felt their job was. Job's friends felt their job was to come and tidy up Job's life in the middle. So they came and spent days and days. In fact, it's about 33 chapters of that book where his friends advised him on why they felt his life was in this. He lost everything. And there was no breakthrough, no deliverance, no word, no enlightenment. And they came and said, we think it's because. And 
came up with ideas, something in your youth, maybe a sin in your youth, maybe you were unkind to poor people, maybe you overlooked someone that you should have helped, maybe you have been selfish in your life. And they gave him all these theories as to why God had chosen to afflict him. I don't know why they called him friends. Friendly fire will kill you just as much as enemy fire will. It's still a bullet and it still kills you. And in the church, we are dying far more from friendly fire than we are from enemy fire. And the problem is with friendly fire, it comes from behind you. <laughs> we don't see it coming, so we're not ready for it. We're ready for it with where we expect it to come from. They're the enemy. They're against us. They don't agree with our ideology, don't agree with our faith and belief system. We understand that. But when it gets you in the back from people that told you they love you, I'll be there for you, you can rely on me, when those people shoot you, friendly fire keeps killing you. Friendly fire kills you for years after the bullet has gone and you've healed up on the wound. But friendly fire continues to kill you inside years afterwards. And there's no season of life more prone to friendly fire than this one. This is why we have to be careful in this season of life. And many of you here are in this season. And we're glad you're here today. And we want you to know, I want you to know, I see you. We see you. And we want you to become a champion and a hero of the middle. We want you to give a voice like I'm trying to do this morning. We want you to not rush to the end or not only come back to church and give us your testimony when it's all tidy. We want you to speak to us in the mess. We want you to try and tell us what's happening because God was doing far more in Joseph in prison than he was when Joseph was prime minister. In fact, the reason Joseph became prime minister is because he had had forged within him the character of a prime minister whilst in jail. And his love and devotion and commitment and responsibility he took for the prisoners and the jail when it was not his job, when he could have, when he could have happily have resisted God and been bitter towards God and been upset with God. And who could have blamed him? As could Job, who could have blamed him? That all his kids had died, all his business had had gone. He had nothing left. He went from being the wealthiest man in town to the poorest man in town. Even his wife said to him, you need to curse God and die. This is a total disaster. Even his spouse didn't see any value, any growth, any progression, anything to learn in the midst of this. She concluded, as did his friends, God has singled you out for tragedy and you should just figure out what is it in my life that God is picking on me for when we all know because we have read the book that there was nothing wrong in his life. But his three friends represent about six types of people I figured out that you should avoid in a crisis. These three individuals represent people that try to fix us. That when we have something in our life that's like this zone, from now on you can say to people that try and fix you, I'm okay. I'm in divine delay. I'm okay. I'm in good company. Because Joseph was in this season of life when God did the biggest miracle in him 
and I think God's doing something amazing in me. Only problem is I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> That's part of the agony too. Divine delay is an agony because it's divine. Think about it. Nothing can delay God. Nothing can stop God. Nothing can hinder God doing what He wants to do in and through your life. So if there's a delay, if God's late, if it's going on for months or years and it's getting worse before it gets better, it's God's idea. If God's delayed, nothing can delay God. So if God's delayed, it's His idea, which kind of makes it feel worse. If God is saying not yet, not for you, not yet. If God is saying, hold on to you now, this is God's idea. This is why it's an agony, because we have no theology. We have no theology for passive omnipotence. That God is all-powerful, but seemingly doing nothing to help. Passive omnipotence is a contradiction in terms, but that's what it feels like God often is in these people's lives, perhaps in your life today. And if we can build the kind of churches where we don't just say, come as you are, but what we really mean is, come as we are. And this church is called Healing Place, and that's a great name, but it takes a lot of living up to. Because we want you to be in here today and you are in this zone of life and you're still dared to come to church and you may have come later and you may leave early so no one hugs you. And no one gets up in your business and no one starts asking you questions and no one tries to fix you. Because some of you today are so fragile, even a hand on the shoulder could shut you down. But you came to church anyway and that's good. It's good that you came, but, but our gift to you our gift as the leaders and the cultural engineers of churches, our gift to you is to talk much more about this in our churches so that if, if Job is in the room, if Jonah and Joseph and Moses is in the room, if Habakkuk's in the room, then you know we see you. You know that we don't just see the people that get in the miracles and the breakthroughs, you know that we're not fast-forwarding through that zone of life because we don't know what to say about it. You know we see you, and nobody's going to get goosebumps with this message today. Don't be going asking for a refund on your tithe. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like that today. I'm normally excited, and I have goosebumps, and I, oh, I feel the anointing. I felt nothing today. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Because this stuff's the reality. A week before Christmas last year, we got the news that our youngest grandchild, she was 18 months old then, had got cancer. She has leukemia. And we are now into nine months into a minimum two years treatment regime. As some of you know that have battled cancer in your life or someone on your mind that's not here today, it's a long road. Nine months in, the first six months they told us are the most brutal, and they were right. We've nearly lost her three or four times, not knowing whether she'll be there tomorrow. We've cried ourselves to sleep numerous nights. Nothing from heaven. 
no word, no dream in the night to reassure me of a good outcome. Nothing. And for years I've pastored people with cancer. Now we are that family. What do I have to say now to you? Now we are that family. And I want to say to you what I said to so many families I pastored over the years. I think we are family in this zone. I think our family are in this divine delay between tragedy striking and us knowing what the outcome is going to be. And because I do what I do and because I feel my commission and calling is to lead and to figure things out and to pass them on to you, I figured my job is to pick something up while I'm down here. To learn something about this season of life, to figure something out about God and about us and about people and humanity, to be in the shoes of people in this room today that are also battling something in your life like that. And you're in church today and we're glad you're here. And I don't want you to feel I'm trying to fix you today. I want you to know I see you. I am you. You are my tribe. The people with leukemia now in our part of the country are our tribe. We are that family. We're involved in all of this and we're embracing it as best we can to do well for her, to do the best we can for her. And every parent in here will tell you, I'd much rather it was, if we could swap places, we would, wouldn't we? Even more when it's your grandkids. And she's the most beautiful little girl. Her name's Harlow, H-A-R-L-O-W. Remember her, please, in your prayers. But to watch your kids nurse their kids is a double pain, a triple pain for a grandparent. Let's get the band back up here. Thank you. I should have said that a moment ago. I like to be the one that says that because when you say that, it gives people hope we finished. <laughs> and we all need that hope, trust me. I've been in services where I wish to God the band would get up. <laughs> I thought this thing will never end. So I don't know where this lands for you today. I have come with a bit of divine delay coaching. A bit of encouragement to make you realize you haven't failed. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing to fix. You're doing fine. You're okay. We see you. God sees you. Something amazing is happening in your life. It really is we don't know what to call it. We don't know what it is. So don't dismiss it as, it can't be anything then. I can't give a name to it. I can't tell my story yet because my story yet is not good enough to tell. No, no, no. We need your story now. We, we need you to tell us. We need to, you need you to speak to us from the mess. Speak to us from the middle. Because many of us are so terrified of being there that if we ever are there, our greatest fear came true. And the fear of now actually being there paralyzes us for years. So for you to speak to us from the middle, for, for, for Joseph to get on the microphone from jail and tell us, here's what I learned this week. To get something from the middle, to get a voice from divine delay zone is what this voice is today. Will at least stabilize you. It will give you something to hold on to. It will make you feel you don't need fixing because there's nothing broken. And it will let you know God sees me, other people see me, 
And I just need to keep going. I'm going to tell you today, if keeping going for you, if keeping going for you looks more like this, or looks more like this, I don't want to do this in my nice DNG jacket. I didn't think about that until I got down here. Anyway, if this is you, if you feel like this today inside, that this is the best I can do, I'm, I'm just crawling. I feel like this inside. I know I, look, I know I don't look like this on the outside because we all have a way of faking it. But if this is how you feel, I want you to know it's okay. And all you need to do is just keep moving. Life is not a fashion parade. Life is not a catwalk. Listen, while you, while you feel like this on the inside, there are people all around you, walking by you, swinging their arms, not a care in the world. That can make you feel you've failed and you need fixing. This is not a race. It's not a comparison zone. And if all you do is this today, then good on you. Well done. Thanks for being here. If you can do that tomorrow, maybe a week from now, a month from now, you'll get up on all fours. And all fours for you will be a massive improvement. And if you're on all fours for months, we see you. We acknowledge your struggle. We see your progress. We know it's not pretty. We know it's not fashionable looking cool. Cool is not a gift of the Spirit or a fruit of the Spirit. So we're okay. We're okay with ugly. We're okay with ugly. I don't know if we are or not in the church. If you're here today and feel that, that what you just did on the floor is how I feel, then your biggest miracle this week was getting here, getting to this room, being sat here today. But we don't talk about those miracles because it's just not as yay as I got healed of cancer today. But it's just as much a miracle as anything you'll ever hear about. But it's a miracle from the middle. So it's not as tidy yet. It's not as conclusive yet. So we kind of, you know, tell us about it in a year or two. No, 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 no. We need to hear about it now because you're in divine delay and it's okay. God's doing something amazing and we need you to be a champion and a hero of what it is to be in the middle to help us. So many of us are in this zone and we wonder, does, the, does God have anything to say to us? Does the church have a voice to it? And so today, I wanted to speak to you about this because I wonder how many others in the room today are in this zone and needed me to say this to you today. I need me to say, I see you, I'm in your shoes, I am you. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.